Whew, I don't even know if we need a message this morning. I think we already heard from the Lord, right? Man, I hope that you experience that renewal that God wants to bring, that newness of life, that you can sing that out, and that God wants to go into those dry places, those dead places, and do something fresh and do something new, and he is. He's doing it in our church. He's doing it among us, and I am so excited and thrilled to be a part of it together with you. Are you not? It's exciting what God is doing. We're in this series of, of renewal. And we know renewal can't happen without God working and God moving among us. We need renewal in our lives. I don't know about you if you get all kinds of, do you ever get like renewal messages at home, things in the mail, things you need to renew? Driver's license. How many of you guys renew the tags on your license plate? <laughs> we got to renew stuff. Got to renew your membership at the gym. Yep, didn't do that one. <laughs> Whoops. You pay for it when you don't renew, right? Things stop. Things come to a halt. We, we need to be reminded that there's something that, that we've committed to, something that we want to do, and, and we need to make a renewal. And so when it comes to our lives, when it comes to spiritually what God is doing in us, there may be moments where we've committed to God in the past. And we said, you know what's time, God? We need to be renewed in that commitment. God, we need a fresh wind of your fire blowing in us, that, that wind blowing through us, igniting us, those dry bones coming back to life. And we need those reminders time and time again. We've been looking at our key verse throughout this series, and I hope that this verse will forever be in your brains and your minds and in your hearts after this series from Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. I want you to say this together with me. Either you've memorized it or you're reading it off the screen. It's all good. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. That is a verse that you can hold on to, a verse you can take with you to remind yourself that God is doing something new. To not look towards the past and to live in that place, but to move forward in a fresh and a new way. And every week we're looking at different parts of the scripture to remind us what God is doing and how he brings the new thing and how he brings that, that renewal into our lives. And so we began with week one talking about see, just the ability to see, to renew our vision. God, help me to see what you want to do in my life, what you want to do in the church, what you want to do around me. And the three focuses of this series as, as we're looking at this, this initiative and, and going through this 50-day spiritual journey, I hope you're in that word every day that we're reading together and taking these scriptures and praying and fasting and to see what God can do when we're all together in this renewal. It's not just our personal renewal which is the one part we're looking at, the renewal of our hearts. But that God wants to take that and, and bring a freshness of spirit into each of us. And the second part, the renewal of our passion for the lost. That this is about the mission. Why are we doing this? What is this about? And we talked about the renewal of this church, this building, inside and out. And if you are new or newer, maybe you're just uh, joining us today for the first time here or online, we are talking about renewing this facility as well. And I'm not going to go into the details here, but, but just on the screen here, we have six phases that are coming up in the next few years of renewing everything from our worship center and our lobby and classrooms and hallways, and, and we've got our parking lot and, and the exterior of the building and our children's center and, the, and the, uh, our park kids and youth areas, all kinds of things that God is calling us to do. It's going to cost some money. It's going to cost $840,000 to do that. Plus, we've got another $30,000 committed to projects local and, and, uh, and global that we want to help spur renewal beyond these walls. And so we're in a time where we're seeking God, going, God, how would you have us commit to this? How will we link arms and raise these resources above our regular giving so that we can see renewal because we want to do this debt-free? 
and to take on these projects one step at a time to, to reflect the renewal that God is doing in here, out there, and to be a place in a church that is ready for God's service for years to come. So we talked about this is the vision, this is the passion, but it's not just about a building. Because if it's just about a building, then I just give you information about, yeah, we need to replace carpet, let's raise some money, raise and change carpet. But when these three parts come together, when the renewal of our hearts, the renewal of this mission, this passion for reaching lost people, when that comes together with also renewing this place where God does amazing things and works through us, that is a powerful combination. And that's what we want to see. We want to see a church alive and thriving and growing and reaching out and passionate for him where lives are being transformed each and every day. That's the renewal that God is working and doing among us right now. And so we looked at that, and then we're looking at this, uh, this phrase, I am doing. Right, that second part. It's God who's doing it. God has to bring that renewal. And then last week we talked about a new thing. What is this new thing? God doesn't want us to try to just repair and patch up what's there. He wants to do a new thing in us and in our lives. To put that, to, you know, what is it that we need to let go of so that we can hold on to the new thing? We talked about not wanting Jesus just to be a patch on our lives, but completely transforming us into something new altogether. And then today, I love, I'm coming to this phrase now, this next phrase, now it springs up. Now it springs up. How would God renew our urgency? When is God going to do a new thing? I want you to answer this question. When is God going to do a new thing? Now. He's going to do it now. He's not going to wait. He's not going to do it some other time. When does God want to bring renewal to you? When does God want to bring renewal to the church? When does God want us passionate about his mission? Now he's not waiting until some point in the future, sometime down the line. When does God want you to experience his forgiveness for you? Yeah, he's not waiting until you get your life all in order, till you figure it all out, till you, till you, you know, in that next stage of life, or maybe that. No, now. And there's an urgency in that call. There's an urgency to what God is saying. I am bringing renewal now. I was able to meet with one of our life groups, and it was so cool to hear the discussion around this and, and talking about, even as we read in Scripture and Revelation, at the very end, Jesus is saying, you know, I, behold, I make all things new. And, we, and then somebody commented, isn't it interesting to see how if you look at through, through Scripture, you see at the beginning of the Bible, you see Jesus is, is creating. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're creating, they're making things new right at the very beginning. And then we read here in Isaiah in the middle of the Bible, God is still making things new and he's doing it now. He's doing new things. And then you get to the end of the Bible, you're in Revelation, and it's like, okay, now it must be completed. And what's Jesus saying? Behold, I make all things new. He's never done bringing newness and bringing renewal into what is happening. And so we celebrate that, that God is constantly doing a new thing. But what is he urgent about? What is this urgency that I want to talk to us about? When Jesus talked about his mission, why he came, he said, I came to seek and to save the lost. His urgency was about making a way and restoring relationships and going to the cross so that we might have new life and that urgency to reach out and to declare the good news of Jesus. As we've talked about these three focuses of this initiative, right? Renewing our hearts, our passion for the lost, and our church. Today I want to dial in on this renewing our passion for the lost. What does that passion look like? What does that urgency look like? There was a massive Pew Research study done recently, and it's, it's alarming. And as it looks a few, at a few statistics, here's what it looked at. A scenario that suggests that by 2070, people professing no religion will outnumber Christians. 
people professing no religion, sometimes called the nons. Not the nuns, the nons. <laughs> 2070, oh, that's a long time away. Yeah, I don't know that I'll be around by then. I'll be 98 in, in, in 2070. But is this concerning here? 2070, that, that more than the, the, the majority of people. There's been a drop in America, in Americans identifying as Christians. In the early 1990s, when I was still in, in college, over 90% of US, U.S. adults identified as Christians. Over 90% when I was in college. And now we're seeing this trend declining. Today, it's only 63%. And those that, so about two-thirds, uh, and then you look at those professing no religion whatsoever, claiming no religion, has now gone up to 29%, a third of our population. And we're seeing this not only in young people, but we're also seeing some people walking away from their faith, or a lot of people, even in their 30s to their 60s, in that age range. And we're looking, going, what's going on? What's happening and I want to ask you, does this concern you at all? Does it concern you? It concerns me. It concerns me on a couple of different levels. And one level that it really concerns me at is that since the 1990s, I've been preparing for ministry. I've been in ministry. And so as I've been a pastor in my lifetime, we're seeing a continual decline in faith in, in the spread of the gospel in the United States of those who claim to be and, and profess to be Christians. That means during this time, while we are believers, while we are in the church, while we are to be on mission in this world, reaching others, we're losing ground. And that's alarming, that's concerning, and I'm going, on my watch, this is happening on my watch, this is happening on your watch. We're not talking about in history, as we look back, this is what happened. This is in our lifetime. This is in our nation. This is in our country. And as Christians, as believers, what is happening here? Why is this going on? How are we losing this ground? Do we feel a burden to share the gospel of Jesus? The good news. Do we feel that burden? You know what our solution has become in, in the church for, for church growth and for reaching out to others? Marketing. Pastor, we need to get search engine optimization. SEO on our website. We need a better, better website. What's our social media campaign? You know, if we had a better sign out front, if we put a banner for the next event, if we do door hangers and people, you know, and, and get those out there, if we do some Facebook advertising, if we can get an ad on the radio, what do we do? And get, get the word out. And we have all this possibility and all these ways in which we can do the slickest, best things to communicate, and yet we are still losing ground. None of those things are in the Bible, by the way, right? Jesus didn't use any of those things, did he? He called 12. He had other disciples around him. And how is it that without all of this technology, without all this marketing, without all that, the gospel spread throughout the world to the millions, to the billions? And here we are in modern-day America with everything at our disposal, all these things I talked about with technology and social media and sharing and posts and email and text and Twitter and you name it and Snapchat and TikTok and all these things, and yet the gospel isn't getting out. Does it, it, what's, what's going on here? Shouldn't we be able now to do more than ever? Those same means of, 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 of marketing, if you just put that in the broadest category, that's what McDonald's uses. What tire, you know, discounters across the street uses, the apartment complex. What about at the church? 
Is that what we've come to? Why? I'm going to state here what I think is the problem. Believers have lost the urgency and the courage to share their faith and the boldness to live out a different way in our culture. Believers have lost the urgency and the courage to share their faith and the boldness to live out a different way in our culture. I think as we hear some of these statistics, or when I ask, is it concerning to you? I think we maybe, you know, we're all in a different place on this. But I would guess overall we would say we know it should be concerning to us. I know it should be concerning to me, but if I'm honest, I'm more concerned right now what inflation is doing. I'm more concerned, more concerned about how my 501K is tanking at the moment. I'm more concerned about how I'm going to pay my bills. I'm more concerned about a relationship that I'm in. I'm more concerned. And, and those are things that are unimportant in our lives. But if we were honest, how concerned are we really that people who don't know Jesus will spend eternity without him, separated from him? Do we no longer see or think of hell as a reality and just kind of go, well, I guess the chips fall where they may. I'm good. I hope the church does something and gets the word out. And where are our people at? Let's see. Bring them in. Where? What? If we're honest, I think many of us would say it's not really front of mind. It's maybe not top of mind very often. If I go a step further, and we might say, yeah, it's urgent for us, but if we were asked the question, how many times in the last month, outside of your family members or, or, or the church family, and not that family doesn't count, but how many times have you had a spiritual conversation with somebody? Talked about your faith? Did the topic of church or faith, the religion come up, or, or just where you had an opportunity to, to just... Let somebody else know what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I'm guessing those numbers are pretty low. And I'm not here to, to try to make you feel guilty. I include myself in that. It's easy for me to step back and to say, well, as a pastor, that's what I do all the time every day. My whole life is committed to sharing the gospel. But, but so much of our life is sometimes cloistered here in the church with church people and church groups. And, and, and yes, it's a part of what I love to do and I'm online and we're sharing the good news. But when it comes to my neighbors... When it comes to people that I rub shoulders with that aren't a part of the church, I have to ask myself this question and say, how am I doing with that? It's never been easy for us to have spiritual conversations. For most people, that's a hard thing. It's hard to, 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 to take that step. I was having a lunch uh, not too long ago with, with somebody who doesn't have a faith in Christ that I'm aware of and, and, and family not involved in, in, in religion. And so we were meeting for lunch to talk about something and we got our food and we sat down at the table and I had this moment like, okay, um, am I just going to like quietly pray for my food like I normally would? And we've never kind of been in a situation like that. We've always, you know, hung out in different ways. And, and so I, I was like, all right, um, do you mind if I bless the food? I was like, I'll, I'll just pray out loud. And, he's like, and I saw the look on his face was a bit like, um, oh, uh, yeah, sure. Not quite sure what you do. All right, yeah. And so I prayed a short prayer and just blessed the food, and then it was like, all right, and now we're back to the, the, the rest of our conversation. It can be awkward. It can be uncomfortable at certain times. When the topic of faith comes up, sometimes we as Christians get weird. We don't know how to speak normal about our faith or normal about what God has done in our lives, just to be normal people. We kind of clam up, and it is weird in this culture. It's so cool to respect what everyone believes 
and so cool and, and so you know, awesome that, that you're into spirituality and that you're into new age and you're into zen and into karma and into mindfulness and into centeredness and into tarot. And it's all, oh, but you mentioned Jesus, right? It feels a little different, doesn't it? It feels like you mentioned, you can, you can talk about God in our culture pretty okay. Even that sometimes gets pushed back. But you start talking about Jesus, things start getting a little weird, people start getting a little uncomfortable, but it's not always that easy. And so as I think about this, and I think about this urgency of renewing our passion for the lost, I feel responsible for our church. What are we doing? What are you and I doing to have this passion for the lost, to be on mission for what God has called us to do? And I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about how to be a living invitation to following Jesus. A living invitation. Hebrews talks about being a living sacrifice, that we would live that out in front of others. I want to talk about what it means to be a living invitation to following Jesus. Because it's not about the marketing. It's not about that stuff. It's obviously not doing what it's supposed to be doing, what we think it could do. It has some impact for sure. We have a communications pastor. Kyle does an amazing job. But if we relieve and think all of that is on that, we're missing the point. We are the ones. We are the living invitation that goes out from here each and every week into the places where we live and work and serve. And I base this off of Jesus' life. Jesus became the living invitation. He became the incarnation in the flesh, leaving heaven to say, here I am. You don't need to look. I don't need to point you to the Father. I am here. I am the living invitation. And then what does he do? He says, come follow me. He invites, he invites us into that very journey, into that very process. And so I want to talk about four ways that we can become a living invitation that I want you to think about how are you doing in this and where can God challenge us to renew us in these four ways of being a living invitation. First is this, your life invites. Your life invites. Your life shows the proof. So, so you yourself and how you live that out, that is the living invitation. Paul in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Can you say that? That's a, that, that, that's a hard thing to say, to step out to someone else and say, follow my example as I'm following the example of Christ. We all feel like, I, I, I don't know, I think I fall short of that. I don't know. But it's this call to, to live that out. The Bible says to be clothed in Christ, to connect it to last week. We don't just need a patch of Jesus. We need to be Jesus reflected outward. That doesn't mean we're perfect, but that people see something different going on inside of us, that they see the transformation that is taking place. A follower of Jesus simply lives differently. It's not in order to be different. The goal isn't let's just try to be different. When you are transformed by Christ, you naturally live different because now your order and your values and your purpose and the way that you organize your life is built on a whole different foundation. You're living in the kingdom of God. You don't see the kingdom of America as your primary allegiance. You have a higher kingdom, the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? How does it talk to me about how I live in my relationships, how I handle my money, how I deal with my time, how I interact with people, how the words from my mouth come out of me, how I, how I deal with those around me? And if it doesn't transform us, I think one of the problems we have is we just blend in. If it's just a checkbox, I go to church I've given my life to Jesus, but there's no visible difference between your life and someone else. It makes me wonder, how are we living that out? I don't believe you can follow Christ and not stand out and not be different. And so many times we just wrestle with, I want to fit in, I want to blend in. Those two don't work. Once you sign up to follow Jesus, you have signed up for being different. Congratulations. 
you will be persecuted because of me. Wait, who said that? Oh, Jesus. He didn't say the whole world is going to love you because you're going to be just like them and there will be no difference from you to anybody else and you're just, oh, they're going to love you. Some will, many will because the qualities of Christ are very endearing. They're very drawing. They bring others in, but it's also going to stand out. When you don't stand on the same foundations that others have and your purposes aren't the same as theirs, there's going to be issues. There's going to be challenges, but it should be heard in our words. The fruit of the Spirit That people see a love in us, a joy in us that isn't contained because of the circumstances. Just because we got a raise, now we're happy. We got a demotion and there's still a joy in our life. We just went through a hurricane and there's still a joy in our life. Things are happening in our life, but there's still a deeper peace. There's a transformation and others see that. I don't know if you're like me and Shannon, sometimes we'll meet, you know, a couple or we'll meet some people and then we'll get together afterward. We'll be driving home and be like, I wonder, if those, if, I wonder if they're Christians. You ever wonder that? Because you sense something. You see something that stands out from others. And, and, and of course, you know, if you have those conversations, you find that out. But it should be seen in the way that we live. We don't hold grudges. We don't tell white lies. We're not trying to you know, always take the lead. We take the short end of the stick. We're serving. We're giving of our time. We give the first of our money. We put God first, not our own interests. Those are all marks of a follower of Christ that is different and, uh, and, and it can't help but stand out in this world. And it's a beautiful life. And it's one that others see and it's a sweet aroma for those around us. Your life is an invitation. It shows proof when others see the difference in your life. And I know I hear this a lot as a pastor too. It's like, oh, I don't talk about my faith. I, I just live it out. And that's a great thing that you live it out. But I don't like that first part. <laughs> I don't talk about my faith. I know that you know, we don't always need to be leading with that, and we lead, and that's why I start with this. We just start by leading and living the life that we do. But here's the second part. Your story invites. Your story invites. It creates the connection. Here's what it says in 1 Peter. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life, right? So Christ is the Lord of your life. And if someone asks about the hope, your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Put words to your story. Put words to what God has done and put words to your life. It doesn't have to be many words. Your testimony could be as short as eight words. One of the best testimonies in the Bible is eight words. I want to see if you can finish this. Once I was blind. Amazing testimony, right? Amazing testimony. What was the key in that testimony? I don't know. Some guy named Jesus healed me. Once I was blind, but now I see. What's your once I was blind, but now I see story? It doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be a book. When we do our baptisms, the baptism is a story. Once I was dead to my whole life, now I'm raised to new life. Those who are being baptized, we often ask and say, would you share like a 60-second testimony? How is your life before Christ? How were you transformed now? It doesn't have to be elaborate. I used to think that my testimony, my story is, is not really exciting because, you know, I didn't kill anybody. I didn't do hard drugs. I didn't do soft drugs. I, you know, I lived, grew up in a good home. I had Christian parents that loved me. My dad was a pastor. But you must have hated the church. No, I loved the church. <laughs> Not mad at the church. Great experiences. And felt like, you know, what kind of testimony is that? But my story is that's how I grew up in a great loving home in a great church that loved me. And I know the value of that. That's why child dedication is so important that we understand it's a community that nurtures and raises and, and sets the foundations for kids. Why do we have to go through something hard and difficult only to find out that the good path is good? 
Why not just walk on the good path? Now, it doesn't mean there's not mistakes and there's not, there's not heartache and there's not challenges. When I was a teenager, I struggled a lot with the, I loved the church, but I, I struggled with school, like wanting, being a Christian, living that out. And so I was one way at school and I, and I was one way at home. I was one way at school and I was one way at church. Things I said at school and with friends, I would never say at church. And I was a good boy here and not such a good boy there, right? And, and there, there was this duplicity. And there was this wrestling with how do I live out my faith. And, and I remember, you know, I had a great friend in the church, my best friend growing up. And he was a couple years ahead of me. And, um, and one Sunday night at a youth service, he shared his testimony that he gave his life to Christ. And I remember thinking, why would you go do that? We've grown up in the church. We know what God has done for us. We're Christians, right? But it reminded me, and that day it became very clear to me that I have to own my faith for myself. And I remember as a 12, 13-year-old boy kneeling in my be- bedroom that night, asking God for the forgiveness of my sins, confessing my sins, declaring him as my Lord and Savior, and saying, God, give me a new life. And I remember like walking as a feeling different the next day, a transformation. Now, I still had the struggles. I still had things I had to work through. And a few years later, I, I was baptized as a 15-year-old before the church and shared my testimony. And of course, there were still challenges and wrestling with how do I live out my faith and, and how am I not one way in one place and one in another? And then came this call to ministry in my life later where it was so, almost like God saying, well, if you're going to commit to following Jesus and become a pastor, you can't hide anymore. When people ask you what you do, I mean, when you tell them you're a pastor, it's pretty much out there, right? I mean, and that was really hard for someone like me who didn't want that out there all the time. But listen, this is my story, and God has blessed, and God has moved. And I remember even in a key point in my life of, of ministry and, and, and making this decision, it was Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Put God first. That, that transformed me. And then connected with John 10, 10, which is the foundation for our church's mission statement. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, that you would have life to the fullest, Jesus says. And so for me, it was like, put Jesus first, and you're going to have a more abundant life, and he has been faithful to that. Not a life without problems or challenges, but a life of fulfillment. I don't know what your testimony is. I don't know what your story is, and, but it, it, maybe my story doesn't connect with you very deeply, but I know it connects with some of you here. Or maybe there's a part that connects, and the point is we share what God has done in our lives. And here's the point, too. Share your story, and don't skip Jesus. <laughs> don't skip the Jesus part. <laughs> Because that's where the transformation happens. That's what is that foundation in your life. So your life invites, your story invites. The third thing is this, your questions invite. They invite deeper conversation. You're living it out, you're, you're sharing your story, but you're caring for people, you're in that relationship, but your questions come deeper. Jesus was a master question asker. One author says Jesus, he counted and said Jesus asked 307 questions. He was asked 187 but he only answered three of those directly. <laughs> so he, he asked a hundred times more questions than he gave answers. So that should help you. You don't have to be the answer person to every situation. You can be the question asker, asking other people questions like Jesus did. Do you want to be healed? What can I do for you? Who do, the, who do people say that I am? Does it make sense to, forf- you know, to try to gain the whole world, but to forfeit your soul? Just key questions. That prompted further conversation. What kind of questions can you ask? And this is where I ask you to risk the deeper conversation. So many times we're, we're quick to, you know, talk about weather, to talk about sports, to talk about just, you know, work and life. But then come those moments where you could take it just a step further. You go just a step deeper and you'll be amazed the kind of opportunities and what that does in a relationship and the questions it opens up.
Let me just share with you a couple questions here that I think you can use. Ask this question, how's that working out for you? I'm not saying these are original questions to me, you know, I mean, but somebody's talking about their life. Just how, how's that working out for you? How's that going? I mean, you made that decision. Is that working out for you? Here's another one. Where do you see God in all of this? Just where, do you, where do you see God in all this? How are you doing spiritually? That's a very, you know, it gets a little bit deeper, but spiritually. How are that person defined spiritually? How, how, you know, how are you doing? And maybe more specifically, how's your relationship with God these days? I don't have a relationship with God. Oh, why not? I mean, just, yeah, go a little further. Have you ever thought about going to church? Or why have you stopped attending church? It opens up a conversation. Or how about this one? How can I pray for you? Right now, take your phones out and take a picture of these these questions. (laughs) Have these on your phone. Remember, just just have these ready. Think about, this is what, these are some simple questions just to take a conversation deeper. It doesn't take much. But in these moments, you have the opportunity to say, okay, God, where are you moving in this? And you take those questions deeper, just as Jesus did, to something where you get at what God is doing inside of people. And then the fourth piece here, this is kind of redundant in my phrasing, but it makes the point. Your invitation invites. Your invitation actually invites. That's what an invitation does. It invites. And what does it invite? To experience Jesus. That we have the courage to, to invite someone to experience Jesus. And again, we, I think we stop short of this so many times because it is hard. It can be difficult in conversations. But we need the courage and the boldness, and I believe God will open doors for us to, to have these invitation opportunities. We read in Luke chapter 5 that, that uh, Matthew, the tax collector, Levi, as he was also called, was not liked by the fel- his fellow Jews and those around him. He, was a, you know, he, he, he aligned with the Romans, and, and so people around him didn't like him. But when Jesus called him, his life was changed. And we read in Luke chapter 5, it says, Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Right after he was, uh, Jesus called him, many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, why do you eat and drink with such scum? He wasn't hanging around the best people, didn't have the best reputation, but you know, he threw a party with Jesus as the guest of honor. There's something about that was his life was changed and he wanted others to know it. So your invitation invites, when was the last time you extended an invitation in some capacity, in some way, to your home? to a gathering maybe with your life group or some friends from church or maybe just to just to hang out maybe to you know like the corn roast or an easter event or a christmas event something that maybe you go ah, i'm not ready to invite them to church there's other ways to do that when was the last time you invited somebody to, to, to watch online with you or to share in that way say hey i want to share this with you an invitation to go a little further and yes when was the last time we invited somebody to come to church with us That's our heart and passion to create the kind of experience here on a Sunday morning where your friends, when they come, will feel welcomed and loved, not judged, but just loved and experiencing God's moving in this place, what it looks like to be and experience life to the fullest in Christ and to have the patience to walk a journey of discovery, of of faith. This is why we're here. This is why we exist. When, When was the last time you invited somebody to come with you? Do you know it feels different when you walk into church and your friend is with you than when you've come the... 50 other times without somebody? You know what's going on? Maybe this morning, 
You know, you, you brought a friend here for the first time. You feel different. You go, man, I hope, I hope it's a good experience at church today. I hope the music's good. I hope somebody says hi. I hope they don't get ignored. I hope the message is, you know, sharing Jesus Christ. I hope there's hope in this message. And that's what we want to do. God is renewing. God is doing new things. He wants to transform us. It's so awesome to be able to be a part of that. Your invitation invites. But even that invitation to go one step further, to invite somebody to take the step of faith. Have you ever had the privilege and the joy of helping someone cross that line of faith to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? It's an experience that will transform you. To think that you got to have that part, to, to, to have the courage and the, and, and the privilege to help somebody take a step of faith. Maybe this is the question you just ask, what's holding you back from following Jesus right now? What's, what's keeping you? Let, 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 me, let me help you in that. Just to give your life to him, to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I want a new beginning. I want a fresh start with you. I believe you died on the cross for me. You are the son of God. I give you my life. I don't know where it's going to lead. I don't know what it all means, but, but I want to start this journey now with you. I need a new beginnings in my faith. And in that moment, God begins that journey, that transformation in that life. Do we have the courage to invite at whatever level to go deeper? And I believe when we do, we see that renewal of what God is doing in our lives. The urgency. Now. Now it springs up. Now not I'm going to invite somebody a couple months from now. I'm going to have these conversations now, today, right now. Right here in this moment today, if I wouldn't extend the invitation to accept Christ for you, I would be missing an opportunity the Bible says, you know, what, do, what, what does the Bible say about which day is the day of salvation? <laughs> today, now. Today is the day of salvation. Why do we wait? Why do we linger? Is it going to get better down the line? No, today, why waste another moment? Why waste another opportunity? And I'm convicted in this message as much as anyone here about my boldness, about my courage when I get outside these walls. I can be incredibly bold up here. Do you know that? And I can be incredibly timid when I sit across the table with somebody who doesn't know Christ and I have to, I have to pray. I, I understand, but I'm praying for boldness and I'm praying for courage because God will bring a renewal to us and through us when we do. And I pray that today, somebody here who's here today, who needs to hear this, somebody who's watching online, today is the day of salvation. You, could, you, you may be coming to this church for 30 years and have never given your life to Christ, never have made that commitment, never crossed that line of faith to say, this is my faith, I own it, I make it mine. Why not today? Maybe you're here for the first time today. You're going, I, this is crazy. I, my heart is pounding out of my chest. I, I feel God's spirit moving. I'm, I'm the dry bones that that song was singing about. I need that new life in me. And I'm tired. I can't find it in Hollywood. I can't find it on Netflix. I'm not finding it in, in, in my 401k. I'm not finding it at Walmart. I, I can't find it anywhere. I want it. I need it. Jesus, change my life. Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Right now, in this moment. And church, let's be passionate about sharing that hope. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me today? Lord, your spirit has been moving in this place. It's not just because the band is playing a great song and the music is good, although it is. Father, it's your spirit that we just know it's at a deeper level when we feel our hearts pounding. We feel it in our gut. We just, in our soul, Lord, your spirit is moving. Your spirit speaks and draws us towards you. Father, would you lower any walls of resistance that we may have this morning that just allows us to fall into your arms, to surrender and say, I'm done fighting. I'm done searching in places that can't fulfill. Lord, I lay it down today. 
Take my life. Make it new. If that's your prayer today, just tell God, Lord, here's my life. Put me on a new path. Forgive my past, my sin. Wipe it clean. I believe in you. I love you, Lord. My life is yours. If you know Jesus Christ, pray in these days as we pray and fast that God would rekindle and renew that urgency, that burden, that passion, the courage to share your faith, to live that out, to be bold, and to just have the the sense to know when God is prompting you to go deeper in a conversation, in a relationship. Father, give the opportunities we pray as we go from here. May we be a church renewed and on fire for you. And Father, those here this morning that are beginning a relationship with you or that are hearing the sound of my voice, God, today, we celebrate a new day. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.